0: to the 133rd Psalm, the 133rd Psalm, really enjoying the studies in Sunday school on the great example of the church at Thessalonica, how well they were doing uh, together in the work of the Lord and in in the faith, They they had a labor of love. Uh, the Lord gave the Apostle Paul words to give to them, to comfort one another with words, to continue encouraging and lifting up one another, to abound more and more in love one toward another. Our fellowship and our time together as a church, it is so very sweet, it is so very important. I know... Of a family and their testimony was the when the, when the Lord's church really became the, the special thing in their lives that it was supposed to be. It was when the Lord moved their family away from other family members. And what they had was their church family to cling to and to grow into. You know, it shouldn't take that for us, but but it does take those things sometimes. This family actually told me it would probably be good for every family to go away for two years and, and find a good church to worship in and really, really just get everything out of the Lord's church and as a family and in the unity that we're supposed to get. And... Uh, So with that, let's get started in this 133rd Psalm. We're going to talk about that very thing, this very sweet unity that we have here together, one for another. And it says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. As the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. We're going to talk about unity tonight. I'll, I will say for myself and more, for my family We were blessed with just so many family members and big family gatherings. And we loved it. We would we would run off from church and go to be with the family. Nothing wrong with that. But as we've had family members go on to glory, go on to heaven, through that it has had us to embrace our church family. It means so much to me to gather together for you to be here. For us to have unity with one another. You know, unity can be likened unto a garden. In many ways, for instance, you need to say you have four rows of peas in a garden and that can relate to our unity as four rows of peas being patience, participation, partnership and politeness. Think about that for a minute. Not only that, but three rows of squash and our unity. If we squash gossip, squash criticism and squash negativity, that's a good thing, right? And not only that, but how about five rows of lettuce? Let us be faithful. Let us be unselfish, loyal, love one another, and let us be truthful. And, and let, how about three rows of turnips? How about we turn up with a smile? Turn up with a contrite heart and confess sins? Turn up with a teachable spirit. That, that'll make... That'll make sweet and pleasant unity, won't it? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. You know, as good as and as sweet as it is to have a church home, to have a church family, to come and to fellowship with, we should be focused on the Lord imputing all of these qualities into our life so that we can invest in our church family and and the Lord can use us just to make it that much sweeter, to have a sweeter unity. That's what we're going to talk about in this joyful psalm. Of of celebration tonight as two tribes of the children of Israel are able to come together and they come together in unity. It's a big celebration. There's just joyfulness all throughout this psalm. I pray that this is something that you and I can continue to have and to be refreshed with one another as a church. And the first thing I want us to see is in verse 1, is the declaration of unity. Look at the first word there. It says, behold. And this word is the idea of calling our attention to something. Behold that Listen up to this. Get your attention on this is what it means. Now, this word also means to look upon. That's not what it means here. But however, when we're talking about Christian unity, and there's a calling of our attention to this, Christian unity can be looked upon, and it can be seen. It's something that starts within, it starts within our hearts, and 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 it clings us together, and brings us together. But as it starts as something on the inside, it's something that can be seen on the outside. The sweet unity we have one with another. Ever since the Lord got me serious about His church, I've always I've had children, little children on Wednesdays, and, and we get out of church at eight o'clock, eight thirty, and they need to get home and get a bath, and and they need to get in bed and get ready for school the next day. So there's a there's a feeling that I need to go once we get once once we're finished here, but that's not what I see in everyone, and that's not really the way I feel. You know, we come and we gather together, we say halos, we sit down, we have praise report, we have prayer requests, we sing praises together just as we did tonight. We feast on the Word of God. And for some, which should be for everyone, it's still not enough. Sometimes I'm walking out the sanctuary and I'm headed home and I look back and I still see brothers and sisters in Christ that just haven't had enough of one another yet. Still fellowshipping in the sanctuary once the lights are turned off, just can't stop. I'm, I'm part of that sometimes and my kids just suffer and they just get in bed a little late. And, and I'm sorry, it's just so sweet, this unity that we can have one with another. I love to look back upon it, even when I am going to leave. I like looking at and just seeing that there's folks standing around that just can't leave this unity. What a, what a wonderful thing that is. It can be seen. This unity can be seen. You know, that's what guests that come into the Lord's church are looking for, whether they realize it or not. They're looking for a real sweet unity. That, that's something that they want to feel that's going on within a church body, is a good united body, solid in love, one for another. You know, the lost people, lost are brought to the Lord's church sometimes. And you know, whether they realize it or not, they're looking for a togetherness that they just can't find in the world. And they ought to be able to see it in here. And that's a big thing that the Lord is going to use to bring someone to Christ. Nothing saves but the power of the Gospel, but He uses us in it. Paul preached the Gospel to the church at Thessalonica, as a matter of fact. And he talked about the manner of men That he and they were among them. They, they spoke the gospel and they showed the gospel. And that's what you and I can do as children of God in unity one with another. Behold, let this call our attention, but let us look upon it. It, it can be beheld. It's, it's looked upon, but it's not only looked upon, this unity that we have, it is lovely. Would you look at the next words? How good and how pleasant it is. You know, good is good, but pleasant is even better. How good and then and then some more words were added. How pleasant this unity is. You know, this, a sweet unity in a church, it sustains the pillars of the church that have been just marching on and serving the Lord year after year for a long time. It strengthens the babes in Christ when they can have a sweet unity. I've, unfortunately, I know too many young Christians that are not in church today because of some riffraff that went on in church that shouldn't have been going on. We should care enough for precious babes in Christ to show them what sweet unity in the Lord is like. Something different than they saw in the world before they were saved. You know, we have a we have a contagious faith. We ought to be spreading it. It's powerful enough for us to spread it. As I've said many times, the best outreach program for a church is an enthusiastic member. An enthusiastic member comes definitely from sweet unity. You know, why, why wouldn't we be enthusiastic? Well, think about what we have here and we're going to be refreshed on what we have here as we go through this message. We should be the most enthusiastic people in the world due to what we have. It, our unity, it is good and pleasant. I think about the family of Stephanas in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And this family just set their hearts on serving the people of God right there where they were. Just serving and ministering and encouraging and lifting up God's people. And doing what they could to help and to bless them. That's the way we all should be. You know, we, we get pleasure We get spiritual pleasure from one another when we give spiritual pleasure to one another. That's the way it ought to it ought to be looked at. You know, I I heard a story about a mother, and as a normal mother would do, this this mother had a nine year old daughter, and for nine years she tucked her little girl into bed and put the covers all around her, kissed her good night, and you know that that's that's what mothers do. And then the mother came down with a long-term illness. And so what ended up happening was the nine-year-old daughter started tucking Mama into bed at night. And Mama laid there one night and looked up at her little girl as she's, she's tucking Mama in. and Mama said, you know what? I used to pull the covers up on you. Now you pull those covers up on me. And the little girl said, that's okay, Mama. We'll take turns. And that ought, that ought to be the spirit And that ought ought to be the attitude that we all have with one another. We have every reason for it to be that way. Why would we monitor whether we're being loved or not? When we're right and our hearts are right and we're in this unity, we're too eager to manifest that love one to another than to see whether we're being loved in return. How wonderful it is when the Lord gets a hold of us that way. How pleasant and profitable it is for us to... To be spiritually united. It's a a great and exciting thing to come into the house of God, isn't it? In the 84th Psalm, the psalmist said, I'd rather hold the door open at the house of God than be anywhere else in the world. And what a wonderful unity that, that that creates in us. The excitement it creates in us. You know, this world has so many temporary pleasures out there. But it cannot produce and it cannot purchase the good and pleasant fellowship that we have here. This, this unity, it is, it's looked upon. Others can see it. It's, it's lovely how good and how pleasant it is. Not only that, but it's, it's lasting. It's good and pleasant for brethren to... Look what it says... Dwell together in unity. I like that word dwell. The Holy Spirit dwells in the heart of the believer. I, I like that word. It's a word of permanence. It's a, it's a secure word. It's a stable word. Brethren, dwelling together. The Lord has provided you and I with, with a lasting, enduring togetherness and unity that we have. You know, you you just can't find that everywhere. You just can't find what we have anywhere except in the Lord's church. World groups, you know, they have to divide over conflict. They remain at a distance. They remain bitter over one another. There are splits and there are lifelong divisions that are made in this world in all kinds of groups. And Christians shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't happen among God's people. It just shouldn't be because we've been empowered to overcome our differences with one another. To make a sweet fellowship, a sweet unity. You know, we, we don't have to push our preferences on one another. We can hear all. We're, we're a church that, that votes on things that happen. And, and we can do that with one another. You know, no man can do the work that the Holy Spirit does in his church. That he loves, that he gave himself for, that he died for, that he left in this world for you and I. How sweet this is, what we're doing, gathering together tonight. And and having fellowship, and having worship. No man can bring together the rich and poor, the, the great and small, the young and old, the gifted and challenges, all, all faces and all races. No man can do that for the glory of God. But God does it through us, and He's created this together for us to have. I have Christian friends, and I have absolutely nothing in common with them. You know, as far as in their work, and their jobs, what they do, things like that. But but the kindred spirit in the Lord makes a good friendship. I've met a lot of Christians before and and sometimes the first question asked to me by more than one, actually it was the first question Pastor Stone asked me when I visited. He said, do you like to fish? And, I, and unfortunately I said no. Not, not that I don't like to fish. I just don't. I didn't grow up fishing. I'd be glad to go fishing if anyone wants to go fishing. You take me with you. Just don't hook me in the back of the head. I'd love to go, but, but, but I, I just have so many differences from so many Children of God, yet there is such a close relationship, and that's what God does in His church among us all, one to another, because of what we have in common. It's so lovely, it's so lasting. What the Lord does, we don't have to have anything in common but Christ, and it makes for a for a wonderful fellowship. You know, there were there were a couple of fellows that went overseas and uh, on business. The first day they got to have to themselves, just to kind of tour around and and check things out, and and there's three guys, and they're kind of staying together, and and uh, they don't really they really don't know what to do. It's kind of like me. If you sent me overseas, which would be the first time in my life, I'd have no idea what to do, no no idea. But these guys really didn't know what to do. Two of them went off together, and one was gone, and he uh, stayed gone all day, and he come back, and one fellow said. Where have you been? You, you look like you've had fun. Look like everything's going great with you. And he said, Well, I, I had dinner with, I had breakfast with an Arab and, and I had lunch with a, with a Russian and I had dinner with a Jewish man. And they said, He said, how did you manage that? How did you deal with that and endure that? Easy. We're all Christians. And so it doesn't matter what we have in common if we have Christ in common. What a wonderful thing it is that that brings us together and blesses us with a with a great unity. You know, we're not brought together here by compromise. We're not brought together here because of politics or or any other fleshly way. There, there's nothing that goes on in the world that that creates a togetherness that is created here. No one can bring together the lasting bond that we have except for God Himself. His Word tells us not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much more as you see the day approaching. Not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. You know, a lot of people could make some excuses for that. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that that's why God has that in his word to not be forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. But there's a lot of people that try to use a lot of excuses not to do so. And the thing about it is, it's just not going to fly with God one day, you know, when we stand before him. And and, you know, once we're once we're plugged in and we're grounded in the core of the fellowship of this church. Why would we why would we abandon such a precious, such a beautiful thing? As the sweet unity that He creates one with another. I don't know about you, but I want to keep gathering together with you faithfully until Jesus comes back. Lifting up one another and exhorting one another until He comes to in the air to, to get us. You know, I don't know about you, but I'd, I know I'm going to heaven because I've trusted Christ as Savior, but, but I don't want to just settle for that. You know, there's rewards to be had. I'd like to bust the tape at the finish line in this life with you together in God's work. You know, we have a work to do together that's going to benefit us all in eternity. As you know, I do a lot of teaching to teenagers. And, and God has had Shelly and I to fall in love with teenagers around here. And, and, and God lets us teach them. And he gives us the privilege of taking them places and doing things. And, and every now and then, a teenager gets saved. I trust Christ. Brother Kenneth, I, I don't know Christ. I, I'd like to trust Christ as my Savior. I realize that. And I'll hear testimonies such as I'll say the testimony of, of another teacher or another Christian in this church and that's one thing that planted a seed and then they'll t- it'll be a teenager that I keep upstairs most of the times but, but they might actually be listening on Sunday morning in the service I promise you some of them do and and they'll bring up a message that Pastor Stone preached and that was another seed that was planted you see we're all in a work together here we're all going to have individual rewards in heaven but we all work together for that to happen Each other. We're going to have sweet and pleasant fellowship and perfection forever in heaven. And God has empowered us to be able to have it here on this earth in the Lord's church that he left for us, that he died for, that he gave for us. What sweet unity we have. There's a declaration of unity for us. But not only do we see that one more thing of declaration is not only that it's lasting, but. We can be like-minded. We are to be like-minded. And that last word you see in verse 1, that's a special word. That word unity, it's a special word for the bond that we have. We have unity together, one with another. It means oneness. It means we have oneness of affection. It means that we have oneness of behavior. It means that we have oneness of belief in the one truth. We're possessed by the same grace. Ephesians speaks of the unity of the faith. Yes, there might be diversity among us. And of course, there are differences in us personally and in our personalities, but we're living in harmony with the same purpose and the same plan and the same aim. And we can show a law a lost and dying world, a togetherness and a unity that is out of this world. And that is exactly what God wants us to do so that the lost can be saved. It's just not, it's not just an outreach outside of this church. What will we bring, be bringing them into? Are we bringing them into something that they can be nourished in and that God can continually lead them to be saved? What a declaration of unity we have. But we not only have that, let's go on and verse. Verse 2, and we're going to see a description of unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments as the dew of Hermon and the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. We first see a sacred description of what we share here in our unity. And that is the anointing oil that ran from head to toe down Aaron. Aaron, the the older brother of an eloquent speaker for Moses. Aaron, the one that was set apart for a special purpose out of the priestly tribe of Levi as the first high priest of Israel. You think about him and you think about that anointing and you think about the anointing oil on him. Picture the sun shining and beating down on it or, or, or whatever. But God would have us to a picture the anointing of Aaron with the oil running down his head and through his beard and dripping off that priestly clothing as, as he goes through that. And you just think about that down to the bottom edge of his garment. And this is used to describe what we're doing right now. And what we have together in the Lord in this blessed unity that we all share. May we see how sacred that our unity is. May it become, may it become more and more precious to us without moving away where we don't know anyone to cling to a church. May, may it not have to be uh, the Lord taking members of your family home to heaven. May we see how precious every one of us this Lord's church is and this unity is. That we all share the harmony that God gives to all of us when we liken this description of Aaron to our brotherly love. You know, the ointment, the ointment that ran down the beard of, of Aaron, using that as a description of what we have here, man, that's what we have is first rate. You know, that oil was really of great price. Uh, You know, and our fellowship is even priceless, too. It's not only first rate, though, but the ointment was precious. So it's not only first rate, but it's fragrance. It's it's agreeable to us. You know, you know, that that was the idea of of, of Aaron and and what he gave off in this fresh anointing of this high priest and, and and the agreeableness it was. You know, maybe there's. Maybe there's, you know, times and there's situations... Of course, where there's not perfection around here and, and maybe there's a little sandpaper that, that, that rubs off one to another. But you know, when we gather together and we worship together and you see that someone is worshiping the Lord in sincerity and, 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 and in spirit and in truth, it, it just makes it so sweet to know them. It goes above all the little petty differences that you might see or have with someone when you're dwelling in this unity one with another. How sweet this is. Look at the description. It's first rate and it's fragrant. Our fellowship is not only that, but it is a flowing one. And, 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 and it's something that flows among us. And it not only should flow among us, it should flow out from us. When, when we are right within, then, then God can use that to reach so many outside us in a meek and lowly manner. You know, what What we have, it's to flow outside here to the poor. It's to flow outside here to the brokenhearted, to the downtrodden, to those of low estate. It's You know, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And what the Spirit creates here is what the love of God does through us that it might go out to others. What Paul said about God's love, we find it in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, Though I speak with the tongues of men, and of the angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity or have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Nothing. To slow down and to sit back and to realize what God has provided here and, and that his love flows through this place and flows through us and creates what we have one with another. What a beautiful thing that is that the spirit produces among us. You know, we're to carry out the commandments and commission of Christ and we're to do it in love. We're to do it in love among one another and we're to do it outside of one another in love. Praise God for this unity of love that we have. God's love that cements this. You know, we're part of the most important institution in this world. There's nothing more important than we could be doing right now. There was nothing more important that we could be doing this morning. What we have, uh, it's first rate, it's fragrant, it is flowing. And that is a sacred description given by the Lord of what we share here. But we not only see that, we see a secular description given in the... In the dew of Hermon. Now if you cross the Jordan into the promised land, into the northernmost mountain range, you'll come to Mount Hermon. And Mount Hermon, this is a misting mountain. And, and, the, and the mist that comes from it, it's life-giving to everything it falls down to below it. It's kind of like when God pours out His blessings upon us as He has with the, with the baptism water stirred, with souls saved. It's life-giving uh, from this high mountain, this, this mist that's formed during the night when everything is at rest. And then it comes forth and it nourishes. You know, and this gift, it, it's the creation of God. You know, mist is not a man-made, manufactured thing. And our good and pleasant unity... It's, it's like the cooling off of our, our passions. It's like God touch, touches us with a special moistening of the heart. So the seed of the Word of God flows on good ground. This is something that, that God does for us through this misting mountain. But this is also a melting mountain. When you think of the, the snow-covered mountains that are created sometimes, and it melts and the water flows even to the lowest hills, and it gives life, and it, and it provides life, just like just like our lord is a fountain of living water this description shows us also, when you think about this misting and when you think about the flowing water that comes down, it shows us our duty to the world. He not only blesses us and strengthens us and shows something to the world that's out of this world, we're, 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 to, we're to get them, we're to draw them in. It's something that's our duty to the world because the world doesn't have what we have. I've had, I've had so many people criticize the idea of church saying it's man made saying this saying that a waste of time i can find something better to do with my time they don't know what they're missing and the world doesn't have what we have and your unexplainable togetherness that just boggles their mind is is something that they need to behold and that they need to, that they can start to desire you know if you don't think that That people are watching you, family members, co-workers, people you socialize with... If you, God forbid this happen, but if you don't think they're watching, let a church split or, or, or a big problem happen like that and let them find out about it. Though they'll be the first ones to attack you on the waste of time of everything you're doing. They just don't understand and they need to, they need to see it in us. They're not going to pick up a Bible. So they need to see this blessed togetherness that they have no clue about. So we see a description of unity there. But there's also a delight in unity as we finish up. It says, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. The first thing we're going to look at there is the place. He says, there. The, as in the unity of brethren dwelling together. There, right there, right here in the midst of us. What about this unity? Well, blessings are there. There the Lord commanded the blessings. There's the place. Here's the place where the Lord blesses. And then look at the precept. There the Lord commanded blessings the blessing. God's Spirit is quenched where they're squabbling, but where there's harmony, it's something He does a work in. He creates it, but where there's harmony, that's the best condition for souls to be saved. That's the best place for babes in Christ to be able to grow. There, there where brethren dwell together in unity. Not every place that calls themselves a church can say they dwell together in unity, but it is there wherever brethren are dwelling together in unity, there the blessings are. There's where the, There's the place and there's the precept. The Lord commands blessings. And then notice the perfection of this blessing there. The Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. You know, the Salvation Army can't provide that. I'm thankful for the police department and what they do, but, but they can't provide life forevermore. Uh, the, the, the fire station can't do it. The beer joint can't do it. Boy Scouts can't do it. Girl Scouts can't do it. Uh, Purple Heart can't do it. It's, it's, it's here. It's where brethren dwell together. This is where we have the promise and the perfection of life together forevermore. How would we not be excited about this good and pleasant unity that we have dwelling together? Dwelling together with the brethren in unity. There's delight in this unity and there's a, there's a decision about this unity. You know, there's encouragement here in this unity for those that have been regenerated with spiritual life. Those that have been born again. Those that know Jesus. Those that are plugged into this unity. There's a lot of encouragement here. You know, as for the way the unity works, as for the pillars of the church, the the babes in Christ have something to follow and be guided by and to learn by. Uh, I don't know why people brag on a church when the church is all young people. I've heard people do that. They brag and they look at it as a plus when it's all young people. I wouldn't want to be a part of a church like that. I, I, I love I love mentors and I love pillars of the church and I love I love men and women that have been worshiping and serving the Lord and his church for years and years and years longer than I'm in love. Man, I love to be around you. I love to cling to you. I love to gather what the Lord has seasoned you with all your life. I, we desperately love having you here. I, I know I do. I wouldn't want this to be just a young church. But I, but I would, but I love it that there are young people in the church because those pillars that have been faithful for so long, the new zeal of a young person being saved for you to be in this world for a a generation and still see that souls are being saved and to be able to mentor them and see a different demeanor on their face to see the light of Christ in them and a a soul born again, it encourages the pillars. The the pillars can guide the young people and the young people can encourage and, and lift up the pillars with their zeal. And you are where God's blessings are upon you both. You know, sometimes Christians, saved people, are outside the unity. I'm not saying that there's there's a clique. I'm not talking about a clique. But just the truth of the matter, there always seems to be the core in a church. Those that are always here Though, those that by their example of their faithfulness and what they are, you know, Pastor Stone said a while back, what, what if, what if this whole church was like your membership and your contribution to the church? What would it be? And there's always seems to be the core in the church. The core can be the whole church and it should be, but it seems like there's, Just a core sometimes. And there's people that are saved. They know Jesus. But they just seem to be outside of the fellowship. No matter what they try to do. No matter what. It just seems to be something that's outside. And children of God that are inside the core can't be blamed for it in a situation That I'm talking about. To be outside the unity. Lord, look, that's not where the Lord wants us. He wants us inside. The Lord is persuading and convicting you and I to engage in this good and pleasant place of blessing. There, the more Lord commanded the blessing. Be there. Be there in the midst of this unity, sharing eternal life that God has given us with God's church on this earth. Now. As for the saved that are outside the unity, why might this be? Why why might this be? Well, it could be that sin holds one back. I mean, if something's plugging up the line it's going to keep us from really being part of the unity i mean your, your memberships here and and you do things here and you but but just there's something holding some back and i don't know what it is but sometimes it's sin sometimes it's sin plugging up the line and and good news you can repent tonight and god will throw your sin as far as the east is from the west and you can have so much something so much better and something so much sweeter than than any besetting sin that is holding you back just trying to think of of what it might be in some people, some with some maybe their only answer right now is I, I just don't care. I'm just not feeling it right now, or or I just don't care. Well, there's a judgment for every second season of our life. We're all going to answer to God as as we learned this morning. Uh, and no excuse is going to fly before God of not being a part of this sweet and pleasant unity and dwelling together with brethren. Nothing, nothing is, you know, and and, and there's going to be a judgment for everything. And it doesn't have to be negative. Judgment can be positive. Consider. Consider not your final destination. If you're saved, you're going to heaven. But consider your condition in your final destination. Consider your condition in heaven, concerning rewards or lack thereof for not being a part of the unity. If you're not, if you're saved in, on the membership role of this church, but not really a part of this unity, look—it's just as simple as something's wrong. Something's wrong, and God will help you immediately to figure out what it is. If you're here this evening, though, and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's there's no criticism for you because you can't be a part of something that, that God has put together for, for his children, for those that know Christ as Savior. You can have it, but it's a matter of trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's a matter of having your sins forgiven, a citizen of heaven, your homes in heaven and you're part of heaven on earth, if you will, by this sweet and pleasant unity that you can have it was it's not possible for one to have it before they're saved uh, you, you might say in a sense i tried it i got so excited about i got so excited about these new people i was around compared to the old people i was around and the things they were doing i guess i just thought that was all there was for me and and, and all i could do with my spare time and then all of a sudden after going to church about once a month and uh thought I was really doing God a favor by doing that. Um, someone invited me up to Sunday school. And I went up to this room and I got around these people. And man, they were nice. And they were, they were, they were clean, clean living people. Invited me over to the house. And, and they, they had a lot of ice chests iced down, but it was, it was full of soda water. I was like, man, I've never seen anything like this before. This is good. I like this. Man I'm going to feel good the next day. I'm, I, I mean, everything's going to be great. I, I love this. So I started going out on visitation. I think I even took less with me one time, and, and we went out on a visitation and doing this, doing that, going to, going to the meetings at church, because I, I was going on this profession of faith I had when I was 16 years old. And then all of a sudden I realized that I didn't know Jesus as my Savior and, and I was saved. I was saved after all of this church activity I was a part of. So I tried to fool them, but but it didn't last long. God saved my soul in front of them all. I was baptized, became a member of the Lord's true church and and a part of a blessed unity. And if you're here this evening and you understand that the penalty upon your life is death, separation of from God, because of your sin, and you've never trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can do that very thing th- this evening. You can be a part of the greatest organization, institution in this world, the Lord's Church. And, and we're just going to keep gathering together. We're going to praise God till Jesus comes back. Does that sound good to you? Yeah. Amen. 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 If you're outside the fellowship, what might, whatever it might be, you let God take care of it with you. You start tonight. You, you might finish it tonight right here at the altar. But, but you, you address that with God. You just, you just tell Him what is it. And He'll tell you if, you if you need that. If you're here and you've never known Jesus as your Savior... And you've you've attended, you're here, but you're outside this church. You come and you trust Him as your Lord and Savior. Have the forgiveness of your sins. I don't know anyone that's ever regretted that. Be a part of this sweet and, and pleasant unity. Dwell together with us here. Let us pray. Most kind and gracious Father, Lord God, we come to you this evening. And I thank you so much for how precious it is here at Lakeway, Lord, to walk in the doors and to be with brothers and sisters in Christ, to see a smiling face, just to hear the encouraging words that we need to hear sometimes when we're down. And dear God, to be the very same to someone else that is down, to be here to edify and exhort one another. Father, I thank You for this beautiful plan that You have and the way we come together as a family and the love that we have, the love of Christ in us, Lord. Father, You are... are You have blessed us so much, Lord. May you bless us with someone else that is really going to get plugged in to serving you and dwelling together. If there be someone here that has never trusted you, never called on Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior to save them from their sins. Lord, may the power of the gospel save their life tonight. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.